Hello and welcome to Two Peas in a Podcast with me, Sam. And me, Ariane. Join us today where we'll be discussing the taboo subject of addiction, what addiction is, the various types of addictions, what qualifies us as 23-year-olds to be talking about it, and the various support methods around us for those who need it. Happy days. All right. So we've chosen the topic of addiction because we believe that it is of importance. Now, the reason that I feel I am qualified to talk about this issue is because I have personally had an addiction to alcohol and I was addicted to alcohol and I was an alcoholic for many years and thankfully I have recovered from it and I'm sitting here. I have had conversations with many people about men's mental health but the conversation seems to start with the fact that men don't talk about it. The biggest cause of death among men under 50 is mental health and suicide and the conversation seems to end there. Like the conversation seems to only surround the scope of the problem. It doesn't go any further than that. We don't actually delve deeper into the issue. We all know the source of pain. We all know what is causing the problem, but we are not really talking about it in detail. Now, addiction for me started a big journey of what I later on called it self-improvement, but at the time, for sure, it was a journey full of hurdles, challenges, and obstacles. Now, the reason we've chosen this issue is because it has affected my mental health and Sam's mental health um, to some degree, and we have decided to talk about this issue in detail and share with you guys some personal experiences. Now, what I will have to say is that what I'm gonna, what I'm about to say is not gospel, is not revelation, it's not full fact, it's not the only fact. I'm going to speak the truth about my experience, but that doesn't mean that other people's experiences can not be different and other methods perhaps for coping with an issue like addiction are invalid. So I don't want to diminish the value of other people's experiences. I can only talk about my experiences and bear in mind, I'm not a psychologist specializing in addiction recovery or addiction in general. What I am is someone who has been through one of the worst types of addiction, which is alcoholism for many years. And I've come out on the other side. My idea and Sam's idea when it came to doing this podcast was not to provide people with um, with unchallengeable facts. Our idea was to just present people with ideas and provoke them to think. Now, the topic of addiction is a taboo subject as Sam touched upon it. I don't think it should be a taboo subject, but for sure it's a subject that has to be dealt with delicately, with patience, with care and with kindness. Yeah, very well said. It's uh, it's important for people to know that this isn't gospel, and it's we're just pre- presenting our ideas now. So, um, so yeah, let's get to it. Let's let's strip it right back and um, let's define what an addiction is. So, an addiction is is an urge to do something that's hard to control or to stop. And and of course, before we we started this podcast, I did a bit of research and just to get a better understanding of of what 
being an addict is. Um, so there's a, there's a good article that explains four stages of addiction. Um, and this is this could be interpreted in many ways, but it's, it's one interpretation of, of how one would define addiction. So you've got stage one, experimental stage, um, where you know people don't set out to become addicted, but that obviously becomes the end product. Uh, you've got stage two, where you've got regular regular use and abuse. Um, so something that was once considered a recreational substance or temp or temporary measure later becomes a lifestyle. You've got stage three, where you've got dependency and tolerance. So your body becomes dependent on that um, substance. And stage four, of course, is addiction where you are now addicted and you now rely on that substance. Um, I guess you could also chuck in the fifth stage and the final stage, which is detox and treatment, being on your way to recovery. So, so that was a nice four stages that I saw a way to visualize and, and understand what addiction is. Um, can you, Arian, can you relate to any of those four stages? And, and do you think is this, it's as clear cut as that? Okay, so um, the way this article has been written, it's it's true what the article said, but it's not like a movie. It's not quite one stage ends, another stage begins, or today is the start of this um, stage and tomorrow is another. It, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's perhaps it would be better understood in terms of a spectrum rather than uh, rather than these, this absolutist linear outlook on it. Like, you know, dependence is, you don't wake up one day and realize, oh, I'm dependent on alcohol. You know, it's not quite like these moments of epiphany. Mm. And I'm sure that article didn't mean or intend to come out that way. But um, to take you to the first stage, though, let's say the first stage was experimenting. So, I first started drinking at the age of 16. At the age of 16, and when I say I first started drinking, I have had alcoholic drinks before the age of 16. Perhaps I shouldn't have said that, but um, I have had alcoholic drinks before the age of 16, but not to any any big dosage. Like I would go to a party at every, maybe every six months. I think as most teenagers um, as well, you know, most people drink before they're 18 as well. So nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, who'll be kidding, you know, exactly. Who'll be kidding. Everybody does it anyway. Um, but yeah, but at the age of 16 is when I started drinking. I wouldn't say heavily, but that's when I started drinking regularly. So yeah, I started drinking regularly back then. I would go and buy a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine. Um, I wouldn't have two bottles of wine, but I would buy two bottles of wine. I would perhaps have half of it tonight, half of it tomorrow night, and then the night after. So it wasn't as if I used to drink a lot to begin with. No, it was like a glass of wine, two glasses of wine. And slowly, gradually, yet eventually, my dosage started increasing. So that brings us to uni when we all moved in together. Um, now, obviously, that must have changed things for you from a social perspective. Did you feel any peer pressure being in that environment? And how did that affect your drinking tolerance? So when I came to uni, as obviously I've mentioned before, I had already accumulated a habit of drinking fairly, but a fair amount and every night. So I come to uni and obviously the culture at uni is very much surrounded around alcohol, around parties, around social occasions, around 
going out with your mates and almost all occasions of going out with your mates ends up in a pub. So it definitely led to an increase of consumption of alcohol for me. And this in turn meant that I went from, let's say, two, three cans a night to four, five, six cans a night and more on social occasions, which were happening now on a far higher regular basis. Now, this is when it gets a bit complicated because I then find a job at a nightclub, which means that three nights a week I'm working in a nightclub surrounded by that environment, which is so full of alcohol. And those three nights I'm allowed to have a drink or two after my shift is finished, which means I drink a little bit at the club, I come home and then I continue drinking. Now, from the moment I joined the club, my alcohol intake increased significantly because now I'm not just drinking at home and on social occasions, but also at the club. And, you know, this takes us to eventually getting to the point that I drink 12 cans a night and 12 cans of beer is about 36 units of alcohol, which is, which is a lot. Um, yeah. And that's what happened. Um, so you mentioned that your increased consumption of alcohol, obviously being at uni and that kind of environment, did that have an effect on your, on your mental health? Um, and if so, to what severity? So the way I describe the effects of alcohol on your mental health, I'm going to use an analogy to describe this, and I think that would do it justice. So let's compare life to a turbulent sea. When you're drinking alcohol, you find this little piece of wood in the sea that you can hang on to in order to save you from drowning. Alcohol for me was that piece of wood. Now, the problem is that piece of wood, although it provides you with some temporary relief, what happens is that you drink, you drink, you drink, you hang on to this piece of wood, but this piece of wood gets flooded and it sinks and it takes you down with it. That's when you wake up and you're hungover. And not only now you have to navigate through this turbulent sea, but you have to get up to the surface of the water first, which means you have to bring yourself back up to a point of sanity, I guess, and then be able to just adjust your relationship with everyone in life and first and foremost with yourself and your own. That's the biggest problem with alcohol is that life is tough. Life is challenging for pretty much everybody. And, you know, I've been through some personal challenges at the time that I was drinking, which had nothing to do with alcohol. But the problem was that by the time I've reached the surface, I was too tired. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the clarity of mind. There was as if there was some fog over my brain. There was like a veil in front of my eyes, which meant that I would find that piece of wood again and hang on to it the next day. That is exactly what happened. So I would drink again to give myself this sense of euphoria. Although I'm drowning, I feel like I'm happy. I feel like I'm adjusting my life to, to a better point. But obviously that wasn't the reality of it. Alcohol 
is a depressant. We know that. And the effect it had on me was that it pushed me further down into a dark, deep hole of depression. Eventually, I realized that I need some time off from alcohol, from drinking. Now, at the time, as I didn't have this as clearly in my mind as I do now. I had not pinpointed drinks and drinking as the root of my problem. What I had recognized is that, okay, I'm doing it a bit too much. So I decided to do a sober week to prove to everyone and myself that, oh, okay, you're not an alcoholic, you know, it's going to be fine. You do this sober week. So I did that sober week. I started not drinking. And the first night I could not sleep for the life of me. I had cold shivers and um, I, I was just, I, I was completely insomniac. The second night it got a bit better. The third night better. By the end of that week, I think I was readjusting. I did feel a bit better, but I did miss drinking as well. So I went to my mate's house, watched a movie with them and had a bottle of wine. Now, I'm drinking 12 cans of beer and I'm still well composed. After a week of sobriety, I drink a bottle of wine and I was completely twatted, man. I was fucking smashed. And I don't remember the walk back home. But after that, I continued drinking. I did not go back to, okay, let's cut down. I went back to my old days. Okay, so you mentioned that you had obviously your dry week um, and that was probably the start of things to come. I remember you then had a dry month, um, which I think was dry January, wasn't it? So that obviously was a step in the right direction. But what made you what made you go that next step further of increasing a week to a month and then obviously later to, to where we are today of a year? Okay, well, this is uh, probably the most crucial night of my life the most important night of my life. Well, not the most important, but one of the most important nights in my life. This is New Year's Eve. Since two, that, two years ago. Uh, yes, two years ago. New Year's Eve, two years ago. Now, New Year's Eve, two years ago, since that dry week that I had, I've been drinking 12 cans a night, 15 cans a night, every night until New Year's Eve. I go out with a friend's, and during the festive period, I've been getting absolutely twatted every night. Like I was, there was loads to do. So I was drinking even more than what I used to do. And this is a time that I actually became someone who wakes up and drinks. Now, before this, it was on a many, very, very rare occasions that I would wake up and drink. But in this period, the festive period of Christmas and New Year's Eve, I was drinking pretty much every day when I wake up until I go to bed. So I go out on New Year's Eve with one of my mates and we go to a bunch of pubs. Then we hit the club with a bunch of others. And then my mate goes home because he wants to go home. This is like two in the morning. I find another friend who was a bouncer at the time and he had just finished his shift and he was like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just going to go home and have a couple of beers there. He was like, oh, okay, I'll come. So I go home. And I was having a fag in our front garden when our neighbors from across the street were like, oh, do you guys want to come for a party? And I went for a party with them. And I remember that night I have 12 pints 
and then after having 12 pints, I go to the party in my neighbor's house and I had half a bottle of rum there. And then I came back and had another two pints in our own house. And then I fell asleep on the sofa. I fell asleep on the sofa. And then I woke up. I woke up maybe an hour later and I had never felt so bad in my life. Before that day and since that day. At that moment, I had a nervous breakdown. I was not myself anymore. I had completely lost all hope in everything about life. And that was the moment that I asked God to take my life. I was like, this is, this is not working out. I was like, this is not, you know, I'm, that's it. I, I've had enough. I've had enough. This is months and months of anxiety, stress, dread, feeling low, accumulated in one moment. This was the moment that I gave up, that I gave up on life, that I was like, that's it. And then I, for the next two or three hours, I got up out of that sofa and I started walking around the house and I talked to myself. And for two or three hours, I must have looked like a complete nutcase walking around the house on my own, talking to myself. And there was nobody else in the house as well. And I was just talking to myself. And I kept grilling myself and kept telling myself why I need to stay alive and why I need to not give up today. And what I need to do. So that was the moment I decided this is the time to go sober. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go sober for a month. Today is the 1st of January. I know dry January is a thing in this country and I'm going to do dry January. Now I remember at the time when everybody else came back over the next few days, not many people believed me when I said I'm going to do dry January. You know, and rightfully so, you know, if somebody's been drinking for the last three years and now they're telling you, I'm not going to drink for a month, you're going to be like, bullshit, you know, we'll see you at the pub tomorrow night. But I remember that I finished that dry January. I did all 30 days. And the best thing that I have done is that when I was having that breakdown, I downloaded this app called Dry January and this app has helped me more than any therapist has. The reason behind it is that this app has a calendar system which you can record the days that you have drunk, the days that you haven't drunk, the amount that you have drunk, and the money and the calories that you've saved when you have not drunk. This app, I wouldn't say this app saved my life, but that journey that I began that night, that New Year's Eve, Sorry, this is New Year's Day now. But that journey that I began on that day saved my life. And this app helped me a lot with keeping track. So I did dry January. I didn't drink for a month. And then after that one month was finished, I never went back to my old days. I never drank alone. I never drank at home alone. And I would only drink with other people either on social occasions or at the club. So the time of that dry January 
that one month of no drinking got me to a point that I was drinking only on social occasions and um, in moderation, I guess. So you mentioned the, um, about different coping mechanisms and, you know, and it's quite an interesting topic of conversation, actually, because I know we've both got two different opinions and approaches to it. So if I was in your situation, I would like to think I would go down the route of moderation and trying to limit the amount of alcohol I was having in one sitting, but not just in one sitting, I guess, moderate the frequency I was drinking as well. So, you know, rather than drinking five nights a week which i know you was at one point tried to do that maybe only one night a week um and rather than drinking 12 or 13 cans of beer i would maybe try four or five or or not even that you know so i would like to think i would go down the the route of you know moderating the frequency and and the quantity i was drinking the other approach i guess is is the approach that works for you and i know it's been very effective and and you know that's fantastic and that's going completely cold turkey and that is eradicating all alcohol from from your lifestyle and from your from your day-to-day life um where do you stand on the on the side of moderation and your coping mechanism what what works best for you okay so this is an interesting one because i tried moderation after that dry january and it kind of worked it kind of worked in terms of how much i was drinking yeah, I would drink on social occasions. I After that dry January, I never drank alone. I never drank at home alone. And um, I only drank with other people when there were social occasions. The problem is, the, this is a big problem, is that your situation, or well, obviously you were saying if you were in my position, you know, you might have acted with regards to moderation. It, that might have worked. Yeah. The problem with it is that the mental health side of it stayed with me. Like, I would still feel dread and anxiety whenever I wake up from a heavy night of drinking. Even though it's not as often as it was before, I would still feel absolutely shit Mm. when I wake up from drinking. Even though I wasn't drinking as much anymore, I still felt awful. So yeah, I tried moderation and it helped me with regards to alcohol. So don't get me wrong. I didn't feel like I'm going back to my old days of drinking, you know. Mm. So with regards to the to the um, moderating the alcohol, that bit was fine. The problem was the effects that alcohol had on me kept coming back to me whenever I drank. Just sticking on that point quickly, um, you, you so obviously you, you tried moderating your your consumption, and you and you realised that it wasn't quite working. It wasn't quite for you. You were still, you know, as you mentioned seeing the effects of alcohol so did you think from a from a subconscious point of view did you think okay i need to try a different approach i need to go and see someone did you try and reach out to people where where was you at that point um and where did it take you so i got to a point in my life that i went to pavilions i went to this um alcohol treatment center now you may not believe this but i have probably talked myself into going there probably maybe 10 times until i actually did like i remember on some occasions i went as far as the front door of this treatment center and i just turned back before entering it but finally one day i did think to myself 
that, okay, I'm going to go and get some support. This is at the time that I was moderating. I didn't want to go back to my old days. I was afraid of going back to my old days because of where it was taking me, the old days. You know, it took me to a point that I didn't want to be alive anymore. So I was so afraid of getting to that stage that I thought, okay, I need to go to pavilions to seek some support, not to quit drinking, but to, you know, continue this moderating process, but see if I can, you know, keep myself in check, essentially. That's why I went to Pavilion. Uh, and it wasn't quite like what you see in TV when you see AA meetings, like loads of people sitting around the circle and being like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Bob, I'm an alcoholic or whatever. It wasn't quite like that. It was me and one other guy and we would have a chat and he would tell me about different things and mechanisms and stuff that, you know, he thought would work. And then he, I remember very vividly that he told me that day, one of the days that I was there, sorry, one of the days I was there, he was like, you know, I don't think cutting out drinking completely in your life is going to be a realistic goal for you, considering that you are very young and you have been able to moderate for some time now. So we should just, we should, you should think about maybe focusing on trying to keep it at a good level, maybe once a week, maybe on social occasions, maybe on whatever. I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I was, at the time, you know, on, on a separate note, my mental health was still dipping because I told you I was going through a turbulent time in my life at the time. And a bunch of things happened, which I'm not going to go further into, which, took a, which I took a hit from, a severe hit from. And at the time... I realized that, okay, my mental health is getting worse by the day. You know, this is where we are. And then I looked at my life and I was like, Arian, you've done well with moderating, but it's still not working. You can control alcohol, but you can't control your feelings. Um, when when you're talking about moderation, what, what was moderation for you? Because you're saying you, you was able to cut down. But what, what, you know, just, just try and quantify that for us. Well, I can tell you for a fact, I can tell you what moderation was with regards to numbers mm. of how often I drank. So looking at it, as I mentioned, April, I drank on um, 14 occasions, but that was a very big month. And we had loads of social occasions, including my own birthday. May, I drank seven times. June, I drank four times. July, I drank 10 times. And August, which is the last month that I drank, I drank nine times. So that's moderation. Okay. That was my moderation. Okay. Well, I think what I'm trying to get, I mean, is is on a night basis. So it's all very well only drinking for nine days in March, as an example, right? But those those yeah. nine days in March, what to what extent? Are we talking? Are we still talking in moderation? Oh, it was different things. I, I would even I would even write it down if I had one beer. You know, when you say in moderation, you know, there were nights out. So I would, you know, not every one of them was a night out, but whatever other people were doing, I was doing the same. Okay. So I wasn't doing. And also when we got back from somewhere, I would not stay up and keep drinking. This is that period now. Okay. Yeah. So this is the period that. We, no, yeah. I guess because it's, it's important to say, because some people might, might think moderation, sorry, your version of moderation still potentially isn't moderating your drinking because if you're still drinking let's say in april to to some substantial amount 
and you're still getting pissed and whatever, is that moderating your drink? So I guess this comes down to interpretation. Some people may want to moderate on a night by night basis. So you cut back to one or two drinks. Some people would say, well, I'm only yeah. going to drink once a week. So, so what you're saying is that you moderated your quantity in terms of days a month as opposed to your nights or, or what, what are you saying? Well, perhaps both. Yeah, definitely both. You know, I didn't drink as much on any occasion as I used mm. to, except very big social events, which everybody else was also drinking as much as I was. And the number of times I would drink had been reduced substantially as well. So both. You know, okay. on any single occasion, I was drinking in general less than what I used to. And the occasions were happening less regularly since since that dry January started. So that's what my... Mo- Don't get me wrong. Moderation is very much a subjective and personal matter. You know, somebody may think moderation is having a glass of wine every day. Somebody may think it's having two bottles of wine but once every month, you know, the people have different interpretations of what it means. But what I'm saying is that I tried moderation as much as it worked for me and my lifestyle at the time. Can you remember your, your last drink? On the 29th of August, was it 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 29th of August, 2019. It was the last night at the club. The club was going to close the, the next day. And I drank... I had a great time. I took pictures with everyone. And then I said goodbye to the club, said goodbye to the cloakroom, to the bar, to the bar staff. And then I had my last beer in that club. I had the beer. I put it on the counter. Fairly dramatic scene, to be fair. I put it on the counter and I was like, that's it. This is my last beer for some time. And, you know, I gave up drinking then and there. And then I came home and I've been sober since. And we are about 600 days since that. And yeah, I've been sober ever well, since. Well, I think it's a uh, massive kudos to you. Well done. I mean, it's it's no easy feat to, to first of all, get over any addiction, but to to do it in such style, I guess, of just completely cutting it out of your of your lifestyle. I think you've, you've done a much, much better job than anyone initially thought you would have done and that's that's no 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 detriment to your your character that's that's because we knew you inside out so for you to have actually completely turned it around is is you know it's massive so well done for that Um, let's just finish up by talking about the the support group um that not only that you had around you but you know for for people who who may be suffering how important it is for them to have whether it's family or whether it's friends or or whatever it is it's it's let's Let's just delve into the importance of of having those people around you. So, so for us living with you, we well, of course we were there first and foremost as your friends um, and your housemates. You know, we were there to for you to talk to, but for us to also just guide you in the way that we thought would help you best. So, did you find it reassuring at all to know that we was on that journey with you? That you could come and talk to us any time. Did Did you think that? it was it was useful or or did you feel embarrassed or just what what was the significance of just living with with us five and did that help you through it so this is an important thing because everyone who has a problem with addiction also has people around them 
I was lucky to have good people around me, people who cared for me. And it helped a lot with regards to keeping me going, with regards to being able to to implement those changes that I was going through. I will have to say this, you know, the housemates I had at the time and the housemates that I had after I decided to completely give up drinking, both were very helpful. The housemates that I had, you know, friends in general, not just housemates, but friends in general, extremely helpful, extremely good to have them, but not necessarily to help me change myself, to be there when I need them, you know, and to be the same with me, not be different, not tiptoe around me. You know, my mates were still joking about me drinking. You know, that's what I wanted. I didn't want anyone to pity me or to sympathize with me or be like, um, don't get me wrong. On occasion, I did get upset over the jokes, but that's just the nature of friendship. You know, when somebody says something with no ill intentions, you could take it in the wrong way or whatever. But in general, you want people to treat you the same way as they were treating you before in terms of if it was good treatment, of course, and in my case, it was good treatment. It is important to have friends and family around and um, not necessarily seek help from them because I do believe that with regards to issues that comes from within, first and foremost, you have to seek help from yourself and then others. You need to want to change. You need to want to get better for it to happen. If you don't want to get better, if you don't want it from yourself, then you're not going to get better. And that's the reality of it. If I didn't, if at that night that I was on that New Year's Eve, if I didn't pull myself back into thinking that I need, and also this is an important one, one of the things that brought me back from that darkness on that New Year's Eve was the friends around me. I was like, you know, I've got friends, I've got, I've got people who love me, I've got people who I love, I've got family who I love, I've got, you know, who, who love me. And because of them, I need to pull through. So it gives you another reason to fight for self-betterment. You know, it's so important. It's so essential. If anybody out there who has heard my voice, who has heard this story. I did not tell this story so you can be entertained. I am saying this story. I'm telling this story because I believe other people can also change because I believe other people to whatever degree may feel that darkness, may see that darkness, may get to moments like the moment I had on that January, on that on that New Year's Eve in 2019 and I do believe that it's possible for them to change and I do believe that help is out there and I do believe that help you should go and seek for this help but also you need to not be afraid to fail you need to be not be afraid to change easier said than done I failed on occasions but I rose up from them And eventually I'm at a point that I can hold my head up high and be like, this has been one of the biggest accomplishments of my life so far. And I do believe other people can get to this point if they have a problem with addiction or if they even think that they are doing it maybe a bit too much. Maybe they're drinking a bit too much, you know. Yeah, well said. I think that's, um, like you say, it's different approaches work for different people. But yeah, it's it's so important to have those people around you um, looking out for you, noticing 
the signs, I guess, of whatever it is. You know, for us, it was we noticed a change in mood and a change of of happiness. That happiness sort of just seemed to just get sucked out of you. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm really glad that we was there to to help you get through it. And we saw, you know, a huge change when you were, you know, stopped drinking, you was much happier, you looked a lot healthier. You know, one thing my family said, you looked a lot healthier and thinner and, 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 and better for, you know, quitting the, quitting the alcohol. So, so yeah, so well done for that. That's, that's, yeah. That's and huge. I am grateful. I am grateful for the people I had at the time around me and the, for, for the people I have now. It was a massive help. I don't think I would have been able to do it without them. And it has been a help. It ha- it ha- not just a help, but it has been what human relationship should be about, to be there for each other when they need you. It's important as well for people to, to, to remain vigilant, I guess, because, and this, um, we're, we're probably talking to, to more, you know, students, university students and people that you're living with that you're not necessarily that close with. So like, you know, with, when you're living with friends, but sometimes it can be silent. And I think in your case, it, it, it was silent to, to the extent that it wasn't spoken about other than just passing jokes. You know, I know we would joke on a, on a, on a regular basis about, you know, you know, he's an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. But there was a seriousness to that. And although, although we would verbalize it that way, it kind of was, was a silent killer, if you like, because it sort of just went on and went on and went on until, you know, you, you know, like you say, your boiling point was was New Year's Eve. Um, it just continued. So I think it could have been spoken about or prevented or, or addressed sooner. But this is what I'm saying. I think it's important for people to remain vigilant and aware and look out for your friends, you know, asking them if they are OK and actually mean it. Are you OK? You know, the, the, I don't know if you saw the Roman Kemp documentary a couple of weeks ago. I know it's completely unrelated but it is talking about mental health and he yeah. he brought up something really important um and he's and one of the guys he interviewed said i always ask people now are they okay twice so are you okay yeah i'm fine but are you really okay and and that and that second time of asking is when people stop and think oh actually there's something to talk about here so i think the point i'm trying to make here is having that support group, having those friends, having just, just be vigilant because that's, that's the thing that might save someone. That's the thing that might help them get out of that rut of that addiction that might get them out of that routine that becomes their lifestyle. So, so yeah, I think be vigilant, be, be there for your friends. I will add one more thing to that. You know, when we say be vigilant, we don't mean be nosy. No, no, no. We mean, you know, be, just be kind. You know, that's what we want at the end of the day. If we are kinder to each other, you know, I have had conversations with people when they ask me, are you okay? At the time, I wasn't ready to talk to them about it. Yeah. I'm ready to talk about it now. And I'm talking about it to you. You know, obviously we've had chats about this before as well. This is not the first time we're talking about this issue. But sometimes they're not ready to talk about the issues. Stay with them. Care for yeah. them. Show them kindness. One day they will be comfortable with talking to you. They will be comfortable with talking about the issue in general. And that's another issue 
the taboo of talking about these things. Thankfully, I think our generation is getting a lot better at it. Yeah. We are able to talk about these issues in much greater detail. And we the, that sort of veil has been lifted from our eyes where, you know, talking about these things was seen as a sign of weakness. I think that the culture in this society is changing. Not enough has been done. More needs to be done. But we have come some way 100%. from where we were. And we are going in the right direction, I think. 100%. Uh, last final word, I guess. How do you feel now? How do you feel a year later or two years later of, of having no alcohol? How do you feel? Do you feel better? I'm going to take you back to the analogy I used with the turbulency. Yeah. Mm. Life for me is still that turbulency. Yeah. But, but I feel like I'm a capable swimmer who is able to navigate his way through it and I'm not getting distracted by this little piece of wood that I was hanging on to, which every night helped me breathe. But then the next morning, it would suck me down furthermore. Mm. I don't care about that piece of wood anymore. I've become a capable swimmer and now I can navigate through life which with a clear head. That's how I feel. I don't feel like, oh, I'm so happy. Life is perfect. Mm. Everything is brilliant. No, life is still challenging. Life is always going to be challenging. Bruce Lee has has a very beautiful quote and he says, don't ask for an easy life because you're not going to get it. Ask for endurance, sorry, ask for strength to endure a hard one. That's the reality of it. Life is never going to be easy. Not for me, not for anybody. What we can do is become better at dealing with it. And giving up drinking has helped me significantly. And in that regard, I feel so much better, for sure. Excellent. I'm really happy for you that that you've been able to come out the other end and you know you can see clarity. And you are you are you are a changed man, you know, from an external point of view, you are you are a changed person. Um just cutting out that alcohol. So so yeah, I'll, I'll reiterate. Well done um it's a uh, it, it... No, fair enough thank you and thank you for being there when i needed it sam because you know obviously the other friends of ours that's i i have thanked personally but you know they're not here talking to me right now but you are here and i would want to you know so that this is in the record yeah. you know i am thankful and i'm i'm blessed to have had people like you in my life who were there at the time for me and that helped me find my way again. Well, I'm look, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're here talking about it and we're able to talk about it. And, and hopefully, you know, if, if anything that, uh, that you said resonates with just one person, I'm happy. So, so yeah. Yeah. Let's hope so. Good. Fingers right. crossed, my friend. Um, just to, just to finish up, uh, we're going to be posting on our Instagram page over the next few days, uh, lots of helplines and, and websites and, and charities that you can visit if you, if you feel like you need help. Like we've already said, it's important just to, to reach out to your friends and, and have that discussion. Or if you think, you know, you feel like someone could benefit from that discussion, 100% do it. So yeah, so check out our, 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 our links if you feel like you need to. Have you had anything else? Yeah, 100%. Anything else from you today? I would like to thank everyone who's listened to us talking about this issue. Now, I am 
absolutely 100% optimistic about the future. Change is possible, change is real, change is beneficial, change is for you. I've got nothing else to say. Get on, Sevli, and Get on, Sevli, bye. bye.